Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be able to be with you. It's an honor anytime we have an opportunity to speak to anyone, whether it's a Philip speaking to an Ethiopian, just one listener, or whether it's Peter preaching to a crowd and 3,000 giving their heart to Christ. It's wonderful. Um, the new ministry, yes, a year ago, I'll be preaching in the church I pastored this coming Sunday because uh, I preached my last sermon as pastor October 4th of 15, so the pastors asked me to preach this coming Sunday, and um, looking forward to that. But the ministry that I founded is called uh, Global Smile, and my sons, who are very honry, took after their mother, um, they tell everybody that their dad started a toothpaste company. When you go to Facebook and you type in Global Smile, there's about 14 of them that come up. And most of them are dentists that do dental work around the world. But SMILE is an acronym, Serving Ministries, Inspiring Leaders and Educators. And that's what I'm trying to do, is serve ministries that exist. I spent December and January in India. I spent May in South Africa. And uh, my most exciting uh, thing is always the next thing, and I will be in Hong Kong and China in uh, November. And it's very interesting. I just want to give you a, a little story on it. Uh, October of 2012, we'd planted my associate pastor of 12 years and our worship leader, Durbin Ward, we'd planted him out in Orange County to launch a church. Um, he had told me that uh, he didn't mind helping... Uh, me finished strong, but he didn't want to help a young guy get started. So that's fine. That's all right. Uh, that just means that, you know, you don't belong with what's going to happen. Because uh, we were preparing a mentoring succession, a young man that was a professional baseball pitcher and never had been in ministry. And the first time I laid eyes on him, God told him me I, he was my man. So he worked for me 10 years, youth pastor, then associate pastor, and now he's head pastor and lead pastor and just doing a phenomenal job. But we planted dirt, went out in Orange County, California, and um, got a church going. So I flew out there October of 2012, and when the plane landed on John Wayne Airport, when the wheels hit the ground, I kind of jerked, and as I did, something just, I didn't say it out loud, but it was, you'll be preaching in China. And I thought about that, and I thought, I don't know anybody in China. I don't have any contacts in China. Well, this summer, uh, Dr. Howard Fultz called me. For 21 years, he was the head of Teen Challenge for Europe and Asia, set up all the Europe and Asia Teen Challenges. And then for 20 years, he was the professor of world evangelism at Regents University. And he said, uh, I really want you to come to our missions training. And so I went to the missions training. And he said to me, um, when I'd been there a few days, you know, uh, brother so-and-so has written a book that's coming out called Jerusalem to Rome, and he's supposed to go with us to Hong Kong to teach, and um, this situation has come, and he can't go. Can you teach on the book of Acts? And I said, yeah, I can teach on the book of Acts. And he said, well, we want you to go with us. And uh, here it was four years later, I'm getting the invitation. And then I get the email, and I find out there's over 2,000 pastors registered 
from 15 different countries. And so what an opportunity, what a golden opportunity. Well, a, uh, two weeks ago this coming Saturday, um, a week ago last Saturday night, we had a big leadership thing at, at the church, our pastor did, and he had my son come in. It's kind of funny because the, the new pastor's real tight with my sons, and uh, they gang up on me. And, um, and he had my son come in and do the leadership thing, and there was a missionary there that the pastor, uh, his in-laws have been tight with for 30 years, and, and he, pastor's wife had been going since she was a little girl with this missionary, and the whole family had. I'm talking to the missionary after church. He lives in Los Angeles, lives in Orange County. And I told him he, that I'm going to Hong Kong next for my big trip in November. And I said, I had a weird experience in October of 2012 when the wheels hit the ground. Spirit of God said, you'll preach in China. He said, well, the ground was talking to you. All right. We got a lot of unique people in the kingdom. Um, <laughs> He said, he said, the ground, ground was talking to you. He said, don't you know about the new Chinatown? I said, no. He said, well, the old Chinatown in Los Angeles is a lot of lower income people. Uh, but it's um, been uh, a building of a whole new Chinatown. And it's in Santa Ana. And it's the same exit as the John Wayne Airport. And you exit for John Wayne, you exit for the new China. And the new China is upper class Chinese and middle class Chinese. And almost all of them are from Hong Kong. And he said, the Bible told Joshua, everywhere you put your foot. He said, and so when you hit the ground, the ground told you China. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I don't know. All I know is I'm going to go uh, to China. Today I want to talk to you about You Hold the Keys. I want to get right into this. Wow, John um, Paul uh, uh, is, uh, is his dad in the room? Uh, you know, Dad, if I was you and, and I had a son preaching like that, I'd just quit. <laughs> Man, that boy, that boy can preach. You told me he could, but I just figured that's a dad talking. But boy, that man can preach. Loved it. I want to start with my favorite verse in the Bible. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. There's a schizophrenia in the church that we cannot decide, does God love us or hate us? Is he out to get us or is he out to help us? Um, are our sins already covered and paid for or do we have to somehow work out and earn our righteousness? Uh, we really have some psychological problems in our uh, theology. But I want to tell you, the God that I read about in the Bible, he's not against me, he's not against you, he's not against any of us. He had plans for us in our mother's womb. They are plans for good. They are not plans for evil. He wants to give you a future, and he wants to give you a hope. And when you're counseling people, if the, what you're advising them gives them no future, it's not God. If it gives them no hope, it's not God. 
I, I've heard pastors talk to people and basically, man, you're, you're done for. Well, if there is no hope and no future, that's not God's message. And does everybody agree? God is a people person. And if we're going to be in ministry, we need to be about people. And my word to CMI, because uh, I do feel that, you know, I've been at this a while, uh, 49 years since I was ordained at 18. I started preaching at 13, was ordained at 18. I was a national evangelist for seven years, had a national youth newspaper and traveled all over America. Then I became a pastor at 25. Uh, I'm not the guy to talk to if you want to say somebody's not old enough to pastor. I'm not the guy to talk to if you want to see if somebody's not old enough to do something for God. Uh, and pastored 13 years on Lake Erie over here in Lorain County, Broadway Assembly. And then uh, went to Hamilton, pastored there 28 years. And uh, now I'm on the road again. So um, 49 years full time. So uh, I... I am going to speak from that. We, we can only present who we are and the message we have. And I want to speak as someone that's been around a while. And I want to acknowledge that in doing that, uh, I am learning as much from my new pastor that's been with me 10 years. I'm, uh, he's teaching me things I didn't know. And my sons, 45 and 42, uh, pastor in, in great uh, ministries, I think, you know, my youngest son took uh, Pastor Holden's church, and it's uh, actually double in attendance from what it was, and double in finance from what it was. And he's done very well. I've been there seven years full-time as head pastor. And uh, these boys teach me. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to encourage older people to realize that the paradigms do shift, and even the illustrations shift. And even the, uh, uh, the meaning of words shift. You know, my sister's name is Naomi Gay. You know, that's her middle name. There was K's and Gay's and J's, and you know how it is. Uh, everything changes. And we need to realize that if we're going to be relevant, we have to be open to hear what younger people have to say. And I'm going to hit that a little bit heavy here today. But God is a people person, and he's all about people, and he's about people of all ages and all stages. God loves a little baby. I don't believe in aborting a baby. I, I, I believe that life begins at conception. God, God has a plan right from that beginning. And, and I don't believe in putting older people to death. Uh, you know, you may not realize this, but I preached it when I was 25, and I didn't realize I was on track, but I was. I said, uh, it's abortion today, but the kissing cousin of abortion is euthanasia. And I'm going to tell you, the generation that was all for abortion is going to have no problem with the death clinics and the euthanasia. But I just believe in letting it be natural. I want some ordinary glory. <laughs> he is our creator. He made us. He is our heavenly father. That's a, that's a relationship term that, that is used. Our Father who art in heaven, Jesus prayed. You know, we're in a relationship with him. And he works through people. And don't get down on people because God uses people. And the very person you think that is uh, not important. I'll tell a quick missionary story. And I won't tell who he is because you might know him. 
But um, he knew this young guy that was a missionary in Europe, and um, he was at a conference with me, and this young guy from Europe, missionary, kept wanting to talk to this other missionary that's from another part of the world, and he just fluffed him off. And, you know, he didn't want to waste time with him. And then he's telling me, you know, I don't want to waste no time with that guy. And then he finds out he's just been made the pastor of a 6,000-member church. And he's like, oh, my God. I thought, I love it. I just think that's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that you don't want to talk to somebody because you think they're just a little missionary and they've got nothing to offer and they've just became pastor of a 6,000-member church in Dallas. I don't care who it is. You may be surprised who God wants to use. God uses people. Now, he loves people. And if you don't love people, ministry is not for you. If you don't love people, I thought Pastor Yurton last night, by the way, I, uh, I succeeded him. He pastored the church I pastored for eight years, and I uh, followed him, uh, pastored 28 years, and uh, we have a lot of respect for each other. And I thought he said a profound thing last night when he said that some people are more in love with the ministry than they are with the people they minister to, and that is the truth. God loves people, and Jesus came to save people and use those people to build his church. And Jesus would train up his own successors, and that's what I did. And I believe the biblical pattern is mentoring succession. I don't think it's mailing and resumes. I'm just sorry, but I don't. I don't think it's mailing and resumes and setting down and going through resumes and picking out. We had only one leader that wanted to do that. And, uh, of course, we have so many leaders, uh, thanks to Bishop Paul E. Pano. Uh, when I restructured the church, we have elders, trustees, and deacons, 55 all total, and nobody knows who's running the church. And that uh, works out real well. I learned that from Pastor Pano, Bishop Pano. And... Um, uh, only one, but one thought we ought to bring in a lot of different men and let them all candidate and then pick the one that, you know, did the best. Well, that's not the way you raise up a past successor. No, no, no. But you can't throw your mantle down till somebody's looking. There's got to be an Elisha on the ground looking up. And uh, I would have done this three years ago, but my Elisha just wasn't ready yet. We had to, 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 to bring him through get his Bible education finalized, and just get, you know, get him where he needed to be. But Jesus trained his own successors. And I want to say about the church of Jesus, with all of its problems, and there's very few good successions. It's, I've been studying successions as a sideline for many years because uh, I had a unique experience at age 25. Uh, would you like me to tell you about my first board meeting? I was 25. I landed in town on Monday. I get called on Tuesday by the former pastor, and he says, uh, there's some of the men that are wanting to talk with the board, so there's going to be a meeting in the office tonight, uh, but it doesn't involve you, so you don't need to come, but I just want you to know there's going to be a meeting. I said, well, I've read the bylaws, and the pastor's chairman of the board, so I'll be there chairing the meeting. And uh, I called all the board members. They didn't even know there was a meeting, uh, except for one of them, and he would forgot to tell the rest of them. 
And uh, so we met, and I said, well, here's what it's going to be. It's going to be this, 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 and this. And um, it turned out to be all of those. And so uh, he basically said that uh, the board disqualified themselves because after he resigned, they met without him, and that uh, uh, eliminated them as board members, and that nullified his resignation. So he had never really resigned, and I hadn't been properly elected, so I wasn't pastor. Uh, that's my first day and this guy was my hero and he was nearly 50 years old and I thought he hung the moon and uh, And then he had 11 different items financially that he was still owed a $5 a week pay raise from 10 years before I'm like my god you was pastor. Why didn't you get your $5 back then and uh, just a lot of other things and um Oh, oh, and in that meeting, uh, there was the belief that some of the music people, two of the ladies were lesbians. There was the belief that one of the bus captains was a homosexual. A church in Canton, Ohio that we owned was five months behind on its payment. The bank wanted to foreclose. The church that we owned in Sandusky uh, wanted to go sovereign, uh, but they only had about 20 people, and they wanted us to deed the property to them and make them sovereign. So that's all the things we had in my first board meeting. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give the former pastor every penny he wants and more. And uh, as far as the lesbians, if they've been playing music for three years, they won't hurt for them to play for another three months. And uh, I'll get to that. I said, I, you know, I'm 25. I'm not, I'm not solving all of these things tonight. And as far as the church in Sandusky, I'm going to call the bank tomorrow, meet with the president. We're going to go down and find out what's going on in the church. And as far as the fellow in Sandusky, I'm going to call him and tell him we will not even meet with him to discuss making him sovereign for at least six months. I need time to get my feet on the ground. That was my first day as pastor. Um, I was only 25. Josiah was only eight. Sometimes the church has got this thing in their head that it's got to be a certain way. Just remember this. The church has problems. Successions are difficult, but don't get down on the church. There's a super, supernatural, supernatural divine element in the church that makes the church work. Now, when God gets ready to do something, he always chooses a key person to lead the way. And I'm going to talk a little bit about key people. He always chooses a key person to lead the way. And I'd like to say, ladies, sometimes the best man is a woman. Whether male or female, God wants to use you to bless others. I want to say something about gender. Gender is an earthly assignment. You are a spirit that existed with God before you were conceived. Read your Bible. When you die, the spirit returns to God who gave it. Your gender is an earthly assignment. In heaven, you will be neither male nor female, and there'll be no marriage. A woman is as equal spiritually with God as a man is. And we are the church that supposedly believes that women can preach and teach and all of that. We don't just send them to be missionaries like some of the organizations do. Well, we don't allow them to speak in America, but we'll send them to Africa. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll put them over there with the lions. Uh, I, I believe 
that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, saith God, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men uh, will see visions, and your young men, uh, the old men will dream dreams, the young men will see visions. And upon the servants and the handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. And somebody says, well, it's not our culture. In our culture, the men, uh, you know, women aren't allowed to teach except for little children and stuff like that. Um, well, that, you know, it's fine with your culture. But just realize culture and Christianity are not the same thing. And Christ elevated the role of women. Women were not allowed to be educated. How did you get educated in the times of the Bible? I'm running a little fast here. Uh, how did you get educated in the times of the Bible? You sat at the feet of a teacher. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. What did Jesus do? He let women sit at his feet. Oh, by the way, he just rose from the dead. So he picked his favorite apostle to appear to first. The first person he appeared to was a woman. And the first human being to know that he was alive was a female. And she was assigned to go tell the apostles that he was alive. What was Jesus doing? He was changing the culture. Well, he didn't do nothing about slavery. Oh, yes, he did. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. He went to the root of the issues. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, second point is God has a son. And this was covered so well that I can go right through it fast. The first name we see in the New Testament is Emmanuel, given to Joseph. It means God is with us. Jesus was the name given, meaning he would save his people from their sins. Christ is the name that means he's the anointed Messiah. In Matthew 16, Jesus came to Caesarea um, Philippi, and he asked his disciples, What are they saying about me out there? Who do they think I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, you're one of the prophets. And then he looked at me and said, but who do you say I am? And I want to tell you right now, it really does not matter what our government is doing. Our government is so far from God. It does not matter. I had dinner with the U.S. Supreme Court in June. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, only five of them. I wasn't with all of the justices, uh, six, six of the justices. But it was a wonderful opportunity, and I enjoyed talking to them, and they're just an ordinary people. My biggest shock was that John Roberts is so short. I thought John Roberts was tall because they always put him high up when they do the picture, but he's standing on stuff. He's a very petite guy. I was a little amazed at that, uh, the Chief Justice. But, uh, you know, folks, it doesn't matter to me what John Roberts or Ruth uh, Bader Ginzer thinks about Jesus. The, the question is not what are the, the, the um, uh, colleges teaching, what does Harvard say, who do you say? This is really a personal relationship thing. And we need to realize that we don't have to have everybody agree with us. See, America's been blessed in that we've sort of been a Christian nation to some degree in the past. But what do you think about my friends in India where it's all Hindu? What do you think about my friends in the Middle East where it's all Islam? What do you think about our friends in Russia where it's 
was communism, and it's really headed back the same way. It's definitely atheism. See, we've been blessed that uh, we could sing God Bless America at our sports events and things like that. And, and it's been so easy to be a Christian. Right now, Barna says, and, and, and I, I, I don't, I'm not Barna, but Barna says that between 1,500 and 1,700 pastors resign every month in America because of the pressure and stress. And what the pressure and stress is, is it's not popular anymore to be a Christian. But here's the good side of it. The hypocrites are leaving. I don't want to go to church because there's a lot of hypocrites. Not anymore. It's, it's too hard to be a Christian in this world and be a hypocrite. I mean, you're going to get slammed both ways. So G Peter said, speaking up, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell... I know it says Hades, but I don't cuss. The gates of hell... <laughs> shall not prevail against it. And then notice the very next thing he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If God is going to assign you a responsibility, he's going to give you the tools you need to do it. Don't ever think you're going to be out there and not be able. Able, I just now realized. Abel, you've not smiled since I said that a while ago, so let's, would you forgive me for saying you ought to quit? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that now. I want, I want Abel smiling back there. But I'm telling you, if you're like me, you're busting your buttons over that boy. If you're like me, you're busting your buttons over that boy. I don't want Abel to quit. Everybody knows I don't want Abel to quit. Um, my, 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 my. The same God that helped his father Abel build a church in area Pennsylvania. Hey, that's the same God going to help him. I'm not worried about him. Are you worried about him? I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about my sons. You know what I do with my sons? They're 42 and they're 45. I don't agree with everything that I see and hear that they do. But when they ask me a question, I answer it. When they don't ask me a question, I say nothing. I'm going to give them the same freedom that I had. God will train his own people his way. He will put them through the courses. He will put them through the test. He will put them through the challenges. And they will come to be who they're supposed to be. And I have a, I just a world of confidence that the church is going to be okay. Amen. Do I miss Bishop Pano? I don't even want to tell you. I don't even want to get started on it. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't make it through it. I was raised without you know, proper father. I was raised in a church of 25 people without a pastor. And do I miss Bishop Pano? But I want to tell you something. This thing is built on Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Jesus has a church. And it's his church. Everybody say Jesus has a church. Jesus. So what do you think the message of this church ought to be? The same three things we learned about Christ.
that God is with us, that Jesus saves from sin, and that he is the anointed Messiah. That's what we ought to be preaching. And if we can preach Christ more, I think we can help things out a whole lot better. The Bible says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And I want to go to verse 20 and 22 of Ephesians. And in him, you two are being built together. CMI, don't be a lone eagle. Don't get off in a corner by yourself and have no close friends. We're being built together to be a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. I haven't really known Steve that much, but in a few meetings lately, I've kind of got to know him, and I've been amazed at him. He's always been so quiet, I didn't think he knew much, because he, he didn't say much, see? Now, people, people know I don't know much, because I uh, talk a lot, and when you talk a lot, um, Jim Moore asked me something yesterday, and I said, well, you won't believe my story. He said, no, I know I won't believe it, but I'd love to hear it. <laughs> but I found out listening to Steve on the teleconference that, that I need that man. We're being built together. Don't you know that? We really need each other, and it's time for CMI to pull together. We're either... Let's do one or the other. Let's either hang it up or let's hang it out and put out the shingle. Now, the church has always had key people, but there can only be one key man in a local church and I think in an organization. I, I believe in plurality of elderships and I believe in plurality of leadership. But there can only be one set person, like we have to have a general overseer elected today, and only one person can be that. We can't make it be two people. Um, in Africa, South Africa, uh, I love their term over there. You know what they call their pastors? The set man. The set man. And you know, the Bible says in Corinthians, God has set every member in place. And they consider a pastor has been set. And you don't mess with the man that God set. It's, a, it's a kind of a neat concept, isn't it? But there's always got to be an inner circle. There can't just be a, a general overseer or a president or a senior pastor, which I was for 41 years. You've got to have an inner circle. And Jesus had one, Peter, James, and John. And I really want you to hear my heart on this. Because I started preaching as a teenager, my wife did too, and we just have a different perspective than some people. There needs to be at least one very young person in the inner circle. You say, well, give me a Bible for that. Uh, did you ever hear of Peter, James, and John? Did you know that John was maybe 14 when he was called? Did you know that he was not at the, at the oldest 20 when Jesus was crucified, but more than likely 18. Why do you think he was leaning on him? He was just a boy. His big brother was in the inner circle. Peter, the entrepreneur with the fishing company, was in the inner circle. But the circle was Peter, James, and John. And when you put together a leadership team, make sure one millennial 
is sitting on the table. And you know what's interesting? Peter was the youngest that was called, and he lived to be the oldest. And if it hadn't have been for him, he's the only one that died a natural death. Everybody else died martyr's deaths. If it hadn't have been for him, we wouldn't have the Gospel of John. He wrote that after AD 90. We wouldn't have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd epistles of John. We wouldn't have the book of Revelation. Isn't it amazing? The church has key people. I'm going to tell you a quick story now. It would seem that Peter shouldn't have been the one to head up the church because he denied Jesus. But the day that Peter said, you are the Christ, Jesus said, and you are Peter, and I will give you the keys, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And uh, I realize that we're not into the Catholic extreme, but you cannot get away from the scriptural facts that Peter was the head man at Jerusalem, and he was the one that stood up and led the church. But yet he denied Jesus three times, and then the rooster crowed. So Jesus appeared eight times after the resurrection in a 40-day period. And one of those appearances was the night that Peter had went fishing and took the disciples with him. Jesus hollered out, did you catch anything? They said, no, we didn't catch a thing. He said, throw on the right side. And they caught a big net full of fish. And John recognized it, the little teenager. That's Jesus. So Peter jumped in and ran to the shore. And then Jesus said, bring the fish that you've caught. And they brought them in. And the Bible says they brought in 153 great fish. That's not an approximation. And yet the net was not broken. Jesus prayed in the real Lord's Prayer. Of those you've given me, I've lost none, save the son of perdition, that the will of God could be worked. If you start at Matthew and go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, count everybody one time only, count nobody twice, add up every person that came to Christ, subtract Judas, you have 153 people. The word 153 is the gematria for the phrase sons of God because every Greek letter was a number and there's a mathematical value of every Greek word and every Hebrew word. So you can study the Bible mathematically. Uh, Jesus, all of his names nearly in the New Testament are divisible by eight. If you take just the word Jesus in Greek and line them up and put the equal sign and the numbers out, the numbers add up to eight, eight, eight. Oh, what are we going to do when the Antichrist comes? I ain't worried about 666. We got 888. <laughs> What's three sixes against three eights? <laughs> they finished the meal, and I know my time is up, but I need to leave this with you. They finished the meal, and then Jesus kind of pulled him aside. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. A third time, do you love me? And he was frustrated. You've asked me three times. Why did he have to ask him three times? Because he had denied him 
three times. And remember how it says that when Peter denied him the third time that the rooster crowed and that he went out and wept bitterly? I believe, it's in Sloan's commentary, it's not available in, in uh, bookstores yet, but uh, in Sloan's commentary, I believe, what time of day was it? They fished all night. It's the dawning. I believe that when he said for the third time, Lord, you know I love you, I believe the rooster crowed. You say, why do you believe the rooster crowed? Because of this. We form pathways. Twelve years I was chairman of our Butler County Children's Services Board, had to manage a $27 million a year budget and take care of the abused, neglected, and dependent children of the county. Had an 11-member board. I loved doing it. It was a volunteer job. But I'm a child protector because of my raising. One of the psychologists said, Johnny, you know, when these children are abused, it forms a pathway in their brain. And when anything comes up that reminds them of that, their thoughts go that same pathway. And the only way that a child can really recover is they have to have new experiences that carve new pathways. So Peter had a pathway. Every time a rooster crowed, oh my God. Jesus had to give him a new one. Jesus was not going to let Peter live the rest of his life feeling like a traitor every time he heard a rooster crow. This is a true story, and I am through, and I've overwent my time, and I know that, and I apologize. And if I owe you money, Alex, I'll give you money. Um, I'll be Bishop Pano. I've, I've got 200 bucks on me if you need it. Um, Derwin Ward, when we were getting ready to figure out what God was going to do with him, he had went out to Orange County, that's where his wife's from, and he was doing worship for a, a, a black pastor out there. And that man actually told him, Derwin, you need to come and start a church here. What we're doing is good, but we need something like what you would do. Derwin was leading worship. And right in the middle of leading worship, he burst out into an old hymn, and some woman just lost it. And she came to the altar, and it was an amazing night. Something had happened to her. And afterwards, she said, I was a pastor's daughter. He beat me. He abused me. He molested me. When my mother would leave the house, that's when it would happen. And he would get our old record player and put on the hymns and turn the volume up as loud as possible so that no neighbors could hear me scream. And she said, I cannot stand to hear a hymn. And if a hymn starts, I get up and leave the church. And tonight, when you begin to sing that old hymn, something happened in me, and I am now free. You may have had some bad experiences in the church. I'm speaking to some of you now that have. But God wants to give you a new pathway because he loves you and he loves the church.